Hey everybody and hello humans, it is time for Not A Robot's DC Comic Review Show. This tangential trio of capricious comic book connoisseurs have returned once again to talk all about this week's latest in DC Comics. My name is Josh, and as always, my co-hosts, Anthony. What's up everyone? What's poppin' lockin'? And Reed. Bah humbug are with me to divulge, dissect, and discuss nearly every issue that DC puts out. If there's any that we don't cover and you wish that we did, just let us know. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing Batman 105, Nightwing 77, Superman 28, Aquaman 66, Justice League 58, Teen Titans Endless Winter Special, excuse me, Death Metal 6, Catwoman 28, Rorschach number 3, and Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, just before we move on, I just want to say, uh, I am not anti-Christmas, I am just pro-Scrooge. Okay. <laughs> That's an important to make sure that stance is known. Huge difference, yeah, exactly. If you want to oh, talk about, debate, answer, laugh at, correct, or otherwise comment on anything that we say or have said, there is a contact form on notarobotpodcast.com, and we do respond pretty quickly. We are also on Twitter at notarobotshow. Anthony is at waltgator93, and Reed is also on Twitter at pgh underscore Reed. And we all answer our show mail sent to notarobotpodcast at gmail.com. Yo, at me and tell me your favorite Scrooges. Michael Caine is mine. Oh, oh Michael Caine or Bill Murray? Oh, well... Is it that many of them? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, been really played, Patrick it's, been, Stewart it's been played quite a few. For sure. Jim Carrey oh, was a Scrooge. Scrooge. Jim Carrey was a Scrooge. That's not one of my favorites. So. <laughs> he was a ghost as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now is the time to say a big, huge thank you to the people who helps us support the podcast. They subscribe to our Patreon, some for as low as a dollar a month, so that we can make sure to keep bringing you more and better content. This is the not-a-robot, anti-beat-bot, must-be-a-human shout-out and roll-call, and that shout-out goes to our humans, Weird Science Jim, Blue Mondays, Hollister, Torpedo Face, and Crotch Crack It. A big salute to all of you and an even bigger thank you. So what are you waiting for? Sign up and show us you just might be a human after all and get a shout-out on the not-a-robot, anti-beat-bop, must-be-a-human roll call. Okay, so given the number of books that we had this week, we decided to skip the polls. We do have one small piece of show mail, but we'll actually get to it later at the end of the Superman review. Oh, and, boy. uh... <laughs> It's it's an addendum offered by our resident Superman expert at the rent, real Glenn Clark. At I know I, I did that one this week, so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> uh, no, it's a he wrote a poem for the occasion of Superman and Bendis' <laughs> relationship coming to an end. Ooh, this be good. In in time for the holidays, I do believe it is to the tune of "Twas the Night Before Christmas." All right, well, that, I, now I'm excited. <laughs> All right, well, we will just go ahead and get right on over to the books then. And we'll start off with Batman 105, priced at three ninety nine, written by James Tynan IV, with art by Carlo Pegalan and Danny Miki, with Alvaro Martinez and Christian Duke. 
and the colors done by David Barron. Lettering provided by Clayton Cowles with the cover offered by Jorge Jimenez and Tomu Mori. This is part four, the last chapter of Ghost Stories, at least for this year. In the final regular issue of Batman for 2020, we start out with the flashback to Argentina. Some unknown years ago, right before Bruce has taken the moniker of Batman, he's stopped by Ghostmaker, who tells him that he's not ready to stop his training now. Ghostmaker argues that because Bruce is going back to Gotham to keep a promise to his 8-year-old self, he's fighting an impossible battle. He asks Bruce to let go of that promise. To let go of his guilt, to let go of Gotham, and to even let go of the idea of Bruce Wayne. Ghostmaker wants them to be a team, starting out small, living off the money that they get from the criminals, and go from there. Eventually ridding the world of evil, so to speak. Bruce replies that Ghostmaker is sick, and he's upset that Bruce isn't as broken as he is. This causes Ghostmaker to lash out, and we almost get his name. It starts with K.H., but Ghostmaker says that Bruce doesn't get to use that name or see his face ever again. They make their arrangement to keep out of each other's business in part ways with the attention of never seeing one another ever again. The agreement, if you don't remember from previous issues, is that Batman gets Gotham and Ghostmaker gets wherever else he wants in the world. That scene was a little telenovela, wasn't it? <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> and indeed And you will it never was. see my face again! <laughs> Could it use my name? <laughs> it was very telenovela, or very um, Ben Stiller. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> right? Oh, man. While Batman and Ghostmaker le uh, left a lot of drama hanging over them, currently Harley has a sword hanging over her. At the other end of that sword is Clown Hunter, ready to strike with one of the swords left behind by Ghostmaker. Batman tries to tell him that he's being used by Ghostmaker to teach Batman to not care about people. Bao, a.k.a. Clown Hunter, doesn't believe him. But you can clearly see hesitancy there. Now, Clown Hunter shakes it off, and he goes to cut Harley's head off when Batman tosses her a batarang, and she cuts herself free in just the nick of time. As Batman takes the sword away from Bao, Harley has a chance to escape, but she says that she won't use it. Clown Hunter questions that, but she tries to explain herself. Um, she tries to explain her history, how she feels, everything that the Joker put her through, hoping to relate her experience to that of Clown Hunters, who had his parents killed by the Joker, while Harley was present. At the end of her speech, she tells Clown Hunter that he can kill her if she wants, and that she knows that she deserves it. Clown Hunter yells really loud as he plunges the knife into the table instead, and then Bow and Harley leave the leave the underground uh, hospital. Arkham, I believe it is they're in. Yep. <laughs> Ghostmaker shows back up and wants to know what that was all about, saying that you can't just save everyone. Batman admits that, but says you can save most, just like he never gave up on Harley, even though he could have ended her many times over. Batman drops his sword and says he doesn't want to fight, and then Ghostmaker just says, okay. The conclusion of this book begins with Ghostmaker telling Batman that they will stick to the old arrangement and he'll take off. 
And then he tells Bruce that he was disappointed that Batman didn't come after him with one of his cars because he's always been jealous of his cars. I thought that was pretty funny. They talk about how there's a new one on the way, but it's not a tank. Say that again. Not a tank. Not Not a tank. Not a tank. Not a tank. Got wheels and everything. Yep, built for speed and handling, city handling and all of that. Uh, Ghostmaker says that he'll be watching on the ghost net, but Bruce says that he does not have to. Bruce explains to Ghostmaker that he no longer has the resources or allies that he once had. He's admitting to his age here as well. Ghostmaker says that he'd never stop telling Batman what he was doing wrong, and Batman says that is something he needs now because he doesn't have it anymore now that Alfred is gone. Batman baits Ghostmaker with the idea that it's more of a challenge to fight crime without killing, and that's a rule he'd have to follow. The Bat family has been standing by watching and listening the entire time. The issue ends with them running off to the orchestra to fight crime together. The art is strong in this one, but only in the non-Ghostmaker scenes. I found myself, I really liked the art in this, but for whatever reason, if there was a panel and the Ghostmaker was on that page, that art just didn't look good. It looked rushed, perhaps? I'm not sure. I can't figure it out. Um, the original flashback scene looks great. It's only in the panel shared with Ghostmaker later in the issues, where the art just seems a little sketchy. I don't know. Overall, though, it was a really good effort by the art team, and mostly successful. The story, though some could call an easy wrap-up, is one that I enjoyed. Lately, I've been a little worried about the story direction here, but I really liked how this one ended. I'm curious to see what happens with Bruce and uh, Ghostmaker in the issues following Future State, where the credits tell us their story will be continuing. Not only is the Bat family getting closer, but it's also getting bigger. I gave this one a score of 8 out of 10. Where were you at with that one, guys? So far, the whole um, Ghostmaker... He's probably the weakest part of the whole story arc. When I first saw him, I thought he was badass. Loved the costume. But the more we learn about him, I, I don't... It is a cool costume. A cool costume. But I feel like he's not worthy of that cool costume. Because, like, he doesn't seem like a someone who can go toe-to-toe with the Batman as he fought before. But they've always lost. I'm like, okay. Well, I feel like when you introduce a new villain, make them... Make them powerful. Make them great. Make make the reader feel how they are just like unbeatable. They're tough. I never once. Now that the story is done, I never once got that um feeling from Ghostmaker. But that being said, that's the only weak part of this issue. Because of that, I dig this issue. I love the art. Um, how we got from point A to point B, which is how they're like. Ghostmaker and Batman were up against each other, and now, like, just sort of on the same team. I felt it was a little bit forced with that, but I'm excited to see where this takes us next. Now that we see him on the team, I can't wait to see the interactions with him and, well, maybe a Damien if he joins the team ever again, or even um Jason. And I do love how, how James um Kynan writes Holly. It's just one of the best. Him and Tom Taylor, top-tier Harley Quinn writers. I'm get this. I, I would say I would say the three of those um, that the, the, my favorite Harley writers are going to be 
those two, and then also step inside of it. Who did that? I feel that good stuff about that one. Book. That one was really good. I think I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. All right, where were you at with it, Reed? Uh, I was really excited when this uh, Ghost Stories arc got started because, like you said, Ghostmaker, his look is cool. It's got this uh, white ninja look, kind of like a desert ninja with flowing robes and like puffy pants. Um, <laughs> I love it's the really cool. Uh huh. He he uses like a sword. It's, he's got a good vibe. He's got a he's got the ghost net, which is fine. He's got good branding. Um. Gotta have this, the branding. It started very. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It started very strong, and um, like last issue, I was kind of disappointed, and, but this one uh, brought me back fully. Um, the art was on point. You got to see a shirt off Bruce. I love that look. It's got like kind of uh, um, Rajal Ghoul in the uh, in like the the underground by the his little tanks kind of look where he always has that right that shirt off mask on look. I I, I really dig. Um, so that was fun to see that fight. Other than that, you guys are right on uh, the the Harley stuff. It is also back in full force. It's it seems like this is like this is an ideal Harley Quinn, and the interaction between him, her, and Bao is good. She also gets a great kind of metatextual joke where she asks, "Is it Bao B O W or Bao?" And then Batman corrects her and says, "No, it's Bao B A O." Pretty fun. I liked where we ended this. Mm-hmm. But how we got there uh, yeah. wasn't really. They just kind of became. It was friends. both the two for us. A bummer. Mm-hmm. Felt a little rushed. Yeah, I'm hoping what we'll get now is they didn't want to take every issue between Batman and Ghostmaker off the board, so they have that tension to work with later. So you can't solve all the problems, so you have more problems to solve later on. Um, that being said, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I like the growing Bat family, and it just adds another one of those, uh, another possibility to a, like, as we were theorizing, a Batman replacement. Um, as far as all that goes, I really enjoyed this one, the the art. Uh, well, darn it, Reed. I really that, got me pumped again. That didn't even cross my mind until you just said that just now. He loves the branding. He loves the branding. He told it's, him it's there was a moment very where, true. right before my score uh, where he says, don't expect me to put a bat. You don't expect me to put a bat on my chest, do you? And Batman said, I wouldn't ask it. So I'm that that right. to me is smacks of something uh, that he's going to actually do later. So I think that's a real Chekhov's bat, as it were. Um, <laughs> it's very cool. I, I enjoy this a lot. I'm going to give it a uh, 7.5 out of 10. Oh, 7.5 oh, out of 10. Make it 8. I'm going to go... Uh, Make it eight. The Harley stuff. I forgot about the Harley stuff. So it it brings me back up. It was a good emotional moment. There sure is. I really enjoyed it. Front to back, man. And um, speaking of back, there's an artist out there that's rather famous for drawing a particular superhero's backside. And that is Nicola Scott. She will be reigning in... um, a lot of people's interest for her work on Nightwing coming up in Future State, and that is where we are headed to next. Nightwing number 77, priced at $3.99, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Ronan Cliquet and Nick Filardi, with letters by Android Design. 
cover was brought to us by Travis Moore and Alejandro Sanchez. Anthony, walk us through Nightwing. You got it. Well, I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't even mention, because after Christian State, Tom Taylor will be on the book. That's definitely some major news. That is uh, now are is is that something that is because this is this I've I just now heard this confirmed right this morning by Tom Taylor himself. This, this is confirmed. Yes. He wow. posted it. Okay, on I have been Twitter, totally busy. Instagram saying he will be on Nightwing. I'm hoping it's more one of twelve issues because the past few like times he's done a book for the big twos, they haven't lasted more than two twelve issues. Suicide Squad, Spider Man, both cut off at twelve and eleven. No wait, eleven and twelve. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say that again. Suicide Squad and um, he did probably name Spider Man and X Men um Red. Oh, 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 yeah, for, and you're counting Marvel yeah, as well. Yeah, both good, yeah, sure. Um, I think that there was a very clear-cut storyline in Suicide Squad that he had in mind, and we're going to see revolutionaries in a book um, coming up soon because there's an un, there was an unnamed Tom Taylor book. I don't know if that's, is, did, do you know, is Bruno Redondo drawing the Nightwing book? I think book? so. I thought he was, I thought. All right, Nightwing okay, then that's him. what the project was. All right then. Real quick before okay, we, then that's what their secret project was. We're not. Go ahead. Oh, I I was just gonna say before we move on, um, you got you had mentioned earlier. Uh, I did a quick Google search because uh for Nightwing's butt, uh, very funny, absolutely suggest. Uh, also uh, there are six hundred and Yeah, it's kind of a big thing that's out there. Didn't know about it. I see it now. And this Nightwing's butt is, is super wow. popular. Chef's kiss. Um, this is a fun everywhere. Google search. It is all over the place. Seriously? And there, there's even, yes, there's even a best artist for drawing Nightwing's backside. And that is <laughs> Nicholas Scott. This is fun. This is, this is. That's so, I know he like. Get a this big thing on his butt and his backside for. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's a big huge thing apparently. Not his backside, but the fandom for uh, it. Well, it's <laughs> his backside is all he he thick. My boy thick. <laughs> well, he is a trapeze artist, right? Oh, baby. Huh? So Nightwing issue seventy seven. <laughs> After we just talk about his butt and whatnot, let's jump into his whole thing. Now, now that we are now post-Dragon War, and Dick is finally back as Nightwing, his first issue back is a big one. Now, this is the first thing I would say when I saw this, when I saw the book. Like, the cover, it spoke after me a lot. I don't know why, but I actually got, like, the beginning of DC Rebirth vibes from it. Just the way that it was drawn, the way that like I don't know if it's just this is for, um, you're talking just the cover yeah like just the cover I don't know if it's just yeah, how it is yeah, maybe DC Rebirth kind of vibes going on there for sure which I'm digging because I did enjoy what we got the first few of the story arcs but we saw our issue at the, um with Batman and Nightwing swinging through the city during the holidays and we get quite a bit of Bruce telling Dig how much he should spend time with the family now bruce doesn't really say um directly hey i miss you but just the way that it was written and the way that it was just how someone was drawn 
to me, that was a Batman was like saying, I need you there with all the shit that's gone with my life. I need you there more than ever. I need you part of the family. Whether that's in the, whether like how they meant to do it or not, but I'm glad they voted the way that they did because I do need the bathroom back to where they were. Now, of course, with it being the holidays, bad guys, unfortunately, they don't change their plans. On, they don't like put up on hiatus on halt. No, they go full throttle during the holidays. They ha- we have two missions. Dick takes one, Bruce takes the other one. Now, uh, Dick's mission gets to a place called um, Dexitron Technology. I found there was some little um, hacking that they have some, some strange amount of money. Now, of course, I don't know if this was the way that it was drawn, but the guy behind the computer, it felt as if he, I don't know, this was like supposed to be like indirectly a, a red hairline, but he just felt sketchy to me. I just, again, I don't know why, just the way that um, he was drawn. He, Definitely the hairline. Could be. Because I was like, are you the Inside Man? Because they do mention it too. So, hey, this would be from Inside Man. Now, unfortunately, anyone thought that he had the hacker, but that was just a jolly distraction as we do find out later who was the legit bad guy. But thankfully, due to that distraction, we did see a cool action scene. It didn't last that long. I wish it was a little bit longer, but still, it was cool to see Nightwing back in action. Thankfully, with being trained under Batman, Nightwing was able to use his detective skills to find the real baddie and lead to some great moments. Mm. As we see a mom trying to break the law before justice and to help her daughter and friends. To solve this, he turns to Bruce and his money, which was kind of strange. Just the way, because in the recent issues of Batman, Bruce isn't probably a billionaire anymore, so he shouldn't be spending all of the money that he can. Yeah, it's he spends quite a bit of money. Yeah. And he he is just a millionaire, and he does have to finance all of these heroes still. Maybe, and I'm not saying that that he shouldn't put his his money to good work, but but I mean, um, <laughs> you know, maybe be a maybe be a little less frivolous with it, because even it could be ending. Because after all, after Bruce funds this um woman and the kid and her friends a place to live, we check in with um Bruce and his party, and we see um let's see, we got Barbara, Bruce, Dick. Him and Damien. It feels as if also Ace. It feels as if Damien Dragons has no idea of the state of continuity in the bathroom because one, the money issue, and two, you're having Damien there. It just feels a little bit odd to happen there. I mean, Tim, yes, but that's not Tim at all. It's Damien. You can see by. The smug face he has when he's holding the gift and his hair, which is, I'm strange on how I want to grade this because if I just get if I just tell someone hey read this issue I could easily just read this and give a 
A, maybe 8.5. However, due to the continuity issues, I'm going to play go down to a 7.5 because it just felt strange. Like, I enjoyed the issue, but the whole money thing threw me off. And then when I saw the thing at the ending, I'm like, why are you there? But again, it does have beautiful art. The story is great. If you have no idea what's happening in the back of the go check this book out. Um, yeah, this one, this one's kind of a snooze. This one's a real snoozer. I mean, the, it, it looks it looks nice to, to kind of like flip through, but other than that, I mean, there's nothing really happening here. Um, nothing really goes on. And yeah, like you said, it's just like a weird... It, it seems like I, I I don't know. It seems like a weird place to put this story and to have that wrap up. It's like they had the drawing drawn already and they just threw it in there. Like draw a happy bat family Christmas. Eh, I don't know. Um, this seemed like a um like a a sketch for the like CW show that they just made it through a comic. I I don't know. It seems it is very strange and off putting. Um, I'm gonna give this one a six out of ten. I mean, because as I was reading this, I did get, like, a uh, Batman the Anime Series vibe, but it was more yeah. of a, this was, like, Pub Nightwing's um, eyes instead of like Bruce. I, I kind of got that kind of vibes. So, yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Like, it's definitely a, a um, script. Well, I felt like we were getting a peek at Nightwing heading in a new direction. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe not necessarily the direction that we've seen him heading in in the other books that he's been featured because he's been kind of taking more of a, um, well, uh, I guess it's kind of varied if you if we think about it. Because in, in Teen Titans, we see him about to start up a Teen Titans Academy or Titans Academy. And that is something that's happening. And then in the Batman books, he's getting, um, he's getting written to almost start acting more like Batman and push people away. And then in this one, we see him just getting back to being regular Happy Dick Grayson. So, um, it, it's a little confusing, but overall, it feels like it could be an issue that you're like, hey man, you've, you've never read Nightwing before, go ahead and check this one out, because it's, it's a one-off, it, you don't have to know any history or anything that's really happened mm-hmm. in order to be able to enjoy this issue, and it works for a Christmas issue too. So, um, I had fun with it, because that's, that's, I think, all it really was supposed to be, was just a one-off issue i don't think there is much story here um so it's it's not a bad job the art was better than mediocre but it 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 just was a little lacking to me um not by much but a little uh so with that i'm gonna have to give this one a 6.5 not for any real negative reasons just because it doesn't really stand out much it's for sure Um, a comic book now yeah, exa- yeah, kind of. Yes, exactly, actually. Um, and then, as far as the whole um, ending with the whole Bat family there and everything, it just, it. I guess that, you're, it, you're right, it almost felt like, okay, we need a couple extra pages, what do we got? Well, we've got a holiday scene drawn up. Alright, cool, let's throw that in there. You know, I think Reed was right on that <laughs> account. Um, so, uh, Family or no family, I'm going to give that one a 6.5. And speaking of family, we're going to move over to Superman 28, where I guess that's supposed to be the focus by the end of it. I'm not really sure. 
Um, but why don't we find out? Race That 399, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Ivan Reyes, Danny Minky, and Alex Sinclair, with letters by David Sharp, and the cover by Rhea Sinclair and Joe Prado. Reed, walk us through Superman. Okay, so when last we left the Man of Steel, he had been lured away to a distant solar system by a mysterious alien. Uh, out of the range of the fortress and all communications, uh, Superman follows this creature to a solar system with an orange sun which weakens him and traps the Kryptonian far from home with no one knowing where he could possibly be. Uh, this issue opens with some narration uh, in the form of a podcast from uh, the Daily Star and Lana Lang uh, that continues throughout the story. Um, we see Clark trapped in the, the Sinmar penal pocket uh, as two aliens of that species uh, discuss Superman's capture and what they did and what, who who captured him and it was a Sinmar Utopica or whatever. So this whole uh, page here, it, it's very long. There's a bunch of little dialogue boxes. Super Sinmar. <laughs> yes. And they try to throw in as much of this jibber-jabber Sinmar mm. language as they can in here. And it's I understand what they're trying to do. So they're establishing a new vernacular in this comic to make these aliens feel alien. Because, okay, they look strange, but if they are if they talk weird and have these strange words, a lot of times you can accomplish a sense of foreignness in in the syntax. So just by the syntax and the written word. Right, just by, it, it, right, it just by the way clues. that they're arranging it and using certain word choices. Right, and, and it gives you clues, like subconscious clues into how they speak and what kind of beings they are, are they, you know, in that's what this is, kind of stuff is supposed to do here. It just kind of made it extremely hard to read. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the, the white on black. I don't know if my like fridge was making too much noise, but I was trying to like read this and I had to like go back over it a couple times to just I, even process the words. Uh, all right. I'm getting bogged down in this. It's only two pages. Um, but they do a bunch of Sinmar talk, and it seems that Sinmar, the planet, had seen the fact that Superman existed. So they were afraid that Superman was going to come to their planet and take over him and the Justice League and all of the different galactic friends he has. So they created their own Superman, Sinmar Utopica. And he was designed to protect Sinmar from intergalactic threats and specifically Superman. So I guess at some point, Sinmar had their own Sinmar injustice, and Utopica went nuts and tried and took over the entire planet. I'm this is this is what I'm guessing. I don't understand really the motivations that go on, and they're not explained very well. Wait, what? Yeah. So you do you, do you think that that happened previously, or do you think that while Superman is being kept motionless in the atmosphere of that red or orange sun, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he's down there messing everybody up right now? I think that at some point, Utopica went bananas and took over the planet and then went to Earth, perhaps, to get Superman, to bring him back, uh, to basically kind of foist himself as kind of a strong man he's like look i caught the thing that you guys were all afraid of here's a superman uh so now like listen yeah, to me yeah. like i'm i am the ultimate um 
But I will say that it's not very clear. It's not something they seem to dwell on in much more than these two pages and then another one where Sinmar's life mate or light mate, excuse me, uh, comes to Superman and says that she used to be with this guy, but they like did experiments basically and made him a Superman and he went bananas. Um, so she wants to send Superman home so that his friends don't come looking for them. Uh, but he asks her to stay and help. And then somehow they give him back his powers with an, an admittedly extremely – sorry about that um, – with admittedly a extremely cool outfit. Uh, he somehow, I guess, at one point Sinmore says, uh, oh, no, Kryptonian light. So I'm guessing that chest plate he wears – is like yellow sunlight that is powering him and allows him to defeat Sinmar, uh, Ito Pika. Now, while all this is happening, though, there is a podcast, the podcast that's playing in the background of Lana Lang, uh, reading an ep- excerpt of Lois Lane's new book. Uh, and it is kind of interesting to see um, how Lois is talking about what Superman needs from us and then what we need from him to see a failed Superman um, being like thrown down while that is happening. So it's a, it's a unique juxtaposition where the the narration is very calm and philosophical while there's this extreme action going on on the screen. Um, at the end of all that, the United Planet Brigade arrive and basically take over Sinmar. <laughs> They seem pretty psyched that they're doing their first takeover. Uh, but they're there to yeah, help. Their very, uh, very first mission ever. Yeah, they're like, hey, we, we 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 got a planet. First try, guys. We did it. Hooray. We're, we're here now. We're here forever. Your, your greatest fear realized a foreign alien government is now in control of your planet. Um, so that's the happy ending. <laughs> but there is one more thing. Uh, we see a, a humanizing scene of Superman back on Earth where and, uh, he he and Lois fly to this woman playing guitar. And he, Superman says, I hear you playing outside all the time because of my super-duper hearing. Uh, and it really makes me happy. And sometimes when I'm very far away from home, it like reminds me of the things I love and stuff like that. So it's a very touching moment. And it's very humanizing. And it kind of like brings everything to a nice ties a ni- neat little bow on uh, the end of this story, um, so it's all well and good. This is a very um, yet again. This is an elevated kind of. This is for sure a comic book. A bunch of stuff happens. This whole Sinmar thing gets wrapped up in a bow. I think there could be some legs on that story. I would maybe like a kind of weird Planet Hulk version where Superman is brought low on this other planet and he has to fight back and like use his wits and shit to uh, take down um, this tyrant. But they just wrap it up uh, in a couple of panels and do all that. Um, that being said, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh... It's, it's pretty good. I, I, I didn't hate it. Wow. It was kind of stupid. But it was like just kind of fine. It's just fine. It looked cool. It was fine. Uh, so I gave this one a 7.25. So what, what was it fine? A 7.25? What was, it, 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 it looks what was cool. your it, it, explanation it, 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 for the Mary Poppins moment at the end? I Because I, she was flying? I, or maybe that's the song? That's my guess. I don't know. Here's that's I couldn't think of any Mary Poppins song because 
she's not even mm-hmm. saying Mary Poppins to the guitarist. The guitarist just says, okay, how about, and I'm assuming that's where, you know, because it's showing musical notes after that, that's where she starts playing a song. And then she steps on the Clark's toes and says, Mary Poppins, please. And then up, and then they fly up and up, up, up and away. I just don't know why they would use that phraseology, Mary Poppins, please. It's I never been used before. It confuses. Oh, okay. It just confused me. I mean, I, <laughs> I thought it was yes. something I just didn't get. Whatever. Um, no, I mean, it would have been, I mean, I, it would have been way cooler if she would have said up, up and away. Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. That, that would have been cool. You now, know, I will, I will say, um, that seems kind of like it's kind of like nice. I, I didn't really care for it personally, but it's executed well. I thought that it it, it it was a humanizing moment at the end of this weird alien story. That was okay. What I will say though, as a musician, the idea of a person, let alone let alone a super being, walking up to you and like, hey, I've kind of been eavesdropping on you playing here. <laughs> Do you mind if I stare at you directly in front of you and just pl- and you play? I'm just gonna fucking float here and you play a song because I'm I'm a god. Play for me, peasant. Play. That's that's buck wild. Don't mind me, the most famous person on the planet. <laughs> if that was if that was like your neighbor from across the street, it would be extremely be awkward because it's there's a, it's one of these things mm-hmm. where if you're playing to ten people, oh okay, no big deal. If you're playing to like around a campfire, like okay, if you're if you're on like a one on a one on one with a, a complete stranger, I don't. That's weird. That's a weird. That's a weird vibe. Uh, but she does it well. Very uh, weird. And and plays, I guess, Mary Poppins. I don't know. Chim chim and chim chim charu. Uh, the art was kind of. I like the art. Um, I like the ideas that he that that were put forth, but uh, it doesn't really kind of follow through. So. I like the end. I'm a sucker. All right, Anthony, where did you land with Superman this week? There was two things that I enjoyed about the issue. Number one, the R, of course. Just um, the one, the opening pages. Yeah, the first page you see. That first page, yeah. Of him just standing. And of course, that whole novel next to him, of course, unfortunately, that I had to ruin the page. But the art was just amazing. There was a cape flying behind. What, just it's just gorgeous how that is. Very cool. It was cool. Now the other thing that I did enjoy is just the whole podcast section. Not how like I like how like the meaning behind like tell us about Superman, the whole meaning of the whole family. That was great. However, the all the other crap we got was purely cool. Like this whole seminar. It just by this point, it's just so confusing. I feel like if I saw just binge this whole story off, none of it is making sense. Like, wait, you're mad? Why? You, you this war's happening? Huh? What is? Especially how they all the same. You can't tell. Like, truly, what is actually happening at all? Like, it is just an all. It's a mess. It, it is a mess. I'll give you that. Yes, it is. Just a cluster mm-hmm. effing mess that, well, yeah, like a nine-year-old cooking spaghetti. Exactly, so I might eat it's that. Gonna... I won't eat this. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know I'm biased because it's a whole planet of 
slitless beings. You know, you know how I feel about that. Right. It just is like so confusing. Though I will say this as um my only guess on that Mary Poppins thing is I I have three guesses. One, maybe that's one of the codes, like how the song is "Let's Go Fly a Kite." They want to fly like a kite, and like just how they do in Mary Poppins. Or another one is there's a scene where they're like all up in the air dancing and flying, um, that, while having it. tea. Either that, or they're like, "Hey guys, gone to the Avengers tomb." People have this iconic line of "I'm Mary Poppins." Let's do this better. We'll just say Mary Poppins. We're like, "But Venice, what does that mean? It doesn't matter." What is Mary Poppins? I, I actually think you hit the nail right on the head with that second one. I forgot about that. I think yep. that's in Mary Poppins where they dance. They like have a romantic dance in the sky, right? Is that a thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's what that means. Though. That's my oh, only guess. Okay. That's but what guess, it's from. The, like, the oh, meaning is, like, it just is not clever at all to how that is. Like, you need to be, like, fully rec- – like, I think about that one. Like, you need to, like, fully – Think about that movie. It just is piss poor planning. I guess that a oh, five out of ten. All right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of right there with you. I think that the issue is kind of. I see. And here's my problem with open ended storytelling. And there's so many people that defend it, and I just don't understand the point because if 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 there's not a beginning, middle, and end, if there's not a conclusion and you don't get all the details, then it's not a story. It's just an idea. You know, until it's until all the details are figured out, then it's a story. Now, you can't even tell which direction or in what order everything happens. And when I read it, I basically saw that the people of Sinmar had no clue that Super Sinmar was bringing Superman back to Sinmar. Same. And then as Super Sinmar is beating up his world, other Sinmars let Superman go. From the penal Superman pocket. gets some yellow sun, sun armor and fights a Super Sinmar and knocks him out. Meanwhile, there's a never-ending monologue telling us all exactly who Superman is, oh, which is Clark Kent personality-wise. And that's something that everybody already knows, even people who have never read a comic book. Wow, what a way... To wrap up a 28-issue pile of hoop. If the art wasn't so good in it for the majority of this issue, and I mean this, it, if the art wasn't so good, it because Ivan Reyes is amazing. If the art wasn't so good, it would go way lower, but I'm giving this a 4 out of 10. Ooh, you boys is harsh. That's fine. I could see. It's... I thought it was absolute garbage. Another amazing character that he created, and I will give him that. I will. Cool. I can't think of any characters that he's created that don't have a whole lot of potential. <laughs> they just don't. Ha- they just do not have any potential underneath him. He he can come up with the characters, man. He 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 just can't make anything happen good with him. He failed again with Sinmar. This could have been an amazing character, and I feel like Reed said earlier, it could have really been something. But instead, it was an, all a setup to get us to a Mary Poppins joke that only one out of three podcasters get. <laughs> I had to look it up. Um, it's ridiculous. And um, speaking of ridiculous, we're gonna have a little bit of fun here. Because now I'm going to read that was the night before Christmas ode 
from Glenn Clark, our reader and a contributor. He does some of our Superman reviews as well. You make you have some jingle bells. Was and uh, guys, I'm I'm not super familiar with the poem, so if I mess up the cadence, I'm just gonna barrel through it and deal with it. If I switch to just reading, that's what you get. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Twas the last Superman from Bendis, and all through the book, the story was dreadful, but the art worth a look. Years ago, Bendis is coming was all the rage. Now Bendis is leaving is what the fans crave. He's created so many new characters, it was hard to keep track. And destroying 80 years of history is proof that he's a hack. He's toyed with his marriage and ruined his son. The fans had enough and he's wanted and want his run done. 28 issues of garbage, which is 27 issues too late. It can't get much worse. So please bring on future state. <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn That's Clark. Awesome, man. <laughs> uh, beautiful poem and a wonderful way to sum up how at least I feel about um, Bendis' run on Superman and and all the other type <laughs> of things done. Um, in DC. In, in DC, I, 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 I won't step on Miles Morales. That was pretty good. He he had a couple other good runs other places. But DC characters, this is Holy Grail stuff, man. You got to know what you're doing. And right now, you do not. Um, and with that, and speaking of not knowing what's going on, we're heading over back into the Endless Winter Saga. Aquaman number 66, priced at $3.99, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, with art by, Mig- with art by Miguel Madanka and Ivan Placencia in the main story, and the flashback handled by Marco Santucci and Arif Prianto, with letters by Clayton Cowles for the main story and a larger world studio's Troy Petiri for the flashbacks, Mike McCone and Peter Steigerwald covered this issue. And Anthony is going to cover it for us. Take that away, Anthony. And before we dive on in, let me ask this guy something. Would you ever take your kid on a honeymoon? Just like us. Mm, well, I don't know, man. I'm a 40-year-old with a lot of children, yes. But <laughs> it would, it, not ideally, no. I don't think that they're on their honeymoon, though. I think that they Are ditched sure? the idea of their honeymoon. I thought that they ditched the idea of their honeymoon. Are you talking about in the beginning of the issue? Yes, when it does. Yeah, I think they ditched the they ditched the idea of their honeymoon because that they're gonna go help out a, a rescue. Right? Doesn't aren't, aren't aren't they responding to somebody calling to them? Because right. we. I'm still opening the book back up. Do you see like this? Obviously, is the honeymoon. And we do see, like, um, door busted open. It seems as if they left that to go straight into the mission with the kid, Andy. So was she with the honeymoon? Because there's also some baby toys on the floor, too. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I completely forgot that opening panel. Yeah, they were certainly mid-honeymoon. There's gifts and underwear and everything laying around. And There's also baby toys. So, okay. so why would you bring a baby on honeymoon? It just is like it threw well, me off. I mean, 
if you're going to take a honeymoon and you don't have nobody to watch that baby, darn it, that baby's coming well, with you. Yeah. Listen. You got a super baby, man. Listen. No, one, no one wants to babysit a regular baby, not to mention a super baby. They have just the Ligas. Oh, no. They have Titans they can do babysitting. They have um those sea gods. They have a whole list. Man, get out of here. Don't don't you remember what happened at the end of the last Batman Superman issue where Batman wanted everyone to stick around and help clean up and they were all like deuces, even Superman who get it done in like three uh, seconds. Uh, yeah, they just don't do that kind of stuff, man. Because he's Batman. He's Aquaman. But anyway, let's dive Historically on. Historically a jerk too. Exactly. All right, now at this point we are about a third of the way through this event. And it feels like it just got started. In each issue, we barely learn anything new. We only get to find out a little bit about Frost King's past and about his heel turn. I really wish that they would step up a notch. That's why I'm hoping that this issue we're going to dive into all about. Now, chapter 4 starts in the past. And the art is truly gorgeous. We get to see our baddie being a monster as he is wrecking havoc on our Justice League God team. The Viking King, Hip Leader, Swamp Thing. And Black Adam. Now this this scene alone does wonders for Frosty King. And how badass he truly is. We also get indication on of of who stop bosses we are reading because we do we're reading like it's a purple and matches Hippolyta's costume and how like it's written in some like the goddess slash freakish way, but it's weird because it starts off with. Um, with quotations. No, it does not. But even does it like who is she talking to? Is she talking to herself? If so, then why is she not in this issue? It really threw me me off for a little bit of a loop. Um, there's two things that I did know notice that I did love about this whole um flashback scene is in one of the panels you do see like um. The wind has created like ice monsters, which was awesome to trash out. Also, he wrecks havoc against Swamp Thing. Like to me, I always thought that Swamp Thing is just a badass monster. It's you can hardly like truly defeat him. Excuse me, Anthony, but before you go yeah. any further, I need to correct you. We decided that the proper turner, the proper turn, darn it, I can't talk. The proper term. Mm -hmm. For those ice constructs mm -hmm. are isomorphs. Isomorphs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Isomorphs. You gotcha. What? 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 Done. <laughs> now, as the victim thing, he truly destroyed. He killed Swamp Thing, which I had no idea that you could truly actually kill Swamp Thing like that. That was impressive. I now a bit fearful for our team in the um, present, so I'm hoping that we do see yeah. this badassery in the present because we haven't seen much of it. Yeah, because it, nah, I mean, they seem to refer. He's taking out Frost King. That's showing mm -hmm. something. Yeah, it, it seems to infer that not only did it, you know, because you know you can kill a Swamp Thing body pretty easily. That's no big deal. It's just plant matter. But they seem to imply that Viking Prince seemed to imply that it. it destroyed Swamp Thing fundamentally. Yeah. So something to do with he says the, he's the truly gone. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Ominous. Uh, yeah, that, that is definitely a big thing. 
Now, we jump over to our present day, and more importantly, to Amnesty Bay, as we see Ice... Mo- what? All right, now, what was it for now? Ice... Mo- Isomals. Isomals. If it's too hard to say, you can say whatever the hell you want. That's just what I'm calling them. Isomals (laughs) underwater attacking refugees outside of Atlantis. And Aquaman, Mira, Dangerous Sea Creatures, and Andy all all heading over to stop the chaos. Yes, that's right. Andy. She's there. Which it definitely threw me off just to say. It just is strange. I don't know why. Because we do see throughout this whole adventure he goes on, I don't know why she was there. It really felt she had no purpose at all. I'm not saying like there should always be a purpose for every single character, but it just like even lay later on when the around uh, maps and all, the only time that we get reference to Andy is when Aquaman says, "Andy, please, sister." I'm like. Could you just like just not draw it in this issue? Uh, well, then we wouldn't get to see the cute super baby in the bubble doing superhero stuff. Yeah, I think, I think keeping her present, even if it's just in panels or saying little things like that, is because they plan on doing something with her coming up. Especially, she's going to be a prominent character in in future. Because she's appearing on two books. I just feel that. It definitely was a weak point, in my opinion. But it just feels as if they, either the writer or the just want to include her. Okay. Now, once we start on the, the Taya, Volko helps her out the jail cell. Now we see, now we see in the state castle, there they are. Mother, Mother Taya and Volko. We learned how much of a threat the ice is to the water, which it did throw me off when I saw the Ice animals in the water. Oh, and for some reason, I'm like, water and ice. Something should either happen to our bad guys or something should happen to our good guys. And hey, I'll... Yeah, I mean, okay, like when those those giant things go into the ice, I mean, they're, those ice constructs are indeed um, like sub-zero temperature, like, because we've seen our heroes fighting them and ice forming on them just by contact so you would think that the same thing would happen that they mm-hmm. would when they went into water but i mean it is comic books so salt water uh, comic books. salt water has a lower freezing point uh, yes so. this is true too probably a lower freezing point than humans yes but hey you know something that is actually happening through around them because it is getting a little bit too cold for them so what happens let's fight Fire and ice. Um, uh, this next part it now it just felt a little bit strange with like um like how they figure out the whole plan. The dialogue was a for me a bit odd. I felt it wasn't it wasn't too what's the right word I'm trying to for um. It just made me a little bit too convenient. It just it's just strange. Like, so how far away did that thing travel for this? Because it felt as it's like right next door. You mean to get down to the fire troll? Yeah. It doesn't um, seem like they had to go that well, far. 
snow. I mean, it's just, it's drawn, you know, we get one big long panel mm -hmm. to show that it's supposed to be, you know, really deep down. And I'm assuming it probably is, you know, I mean, it doesn't say how far, but if, if, if there's a whole world of fire that's populated by fire trolls and there's people living above it, directly above it, I'm assuming it's pretty darn far down. Well, you get a pretty good sense of scale. There's a there's a panel right after he dives into the thing of, of a very lone Aquaman swimming down. You can kind of see, like, far, far below mm -hmm. him, uh, uh, this stuff. Um, but it is weird that they just have, like, a tunnel to that. Like, why? Oh, oh I get it. It looks like it's a the way the bubble's moving. It's like kind of a heating element. So they're like doing a geothermal thing from the fire trolls guys. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm back that's on what board. they said that he, he accessed it through the vents, and you know that's I mean that's what it would be for. All right, now do they even? Because at first we do see the fire trolls, the attacking Aquaman, um, and Amir just shows up, and now they're on their side. Do they ever actually like? Why they on this side now? Like why they why they're not attacking? Because again, like that just fell. I'm like, oh yay, you're here now. They're obeying they, me. They were intimidated by Mira's uh, water powers. Well, it says that she reached out to them telepathically, and uh, says they're confused, anger and fear at having their realm invaded, and I think something like awe. Yeah, they think she's a big they, old cutie. Uh, yeah. Yep. She came down and they're like, whoa. It just feels like he has to go on this big mission. And again, like this is all, because all this issue is, is just him going on to this mission. It didn't seem as if he had to put much of, of a struggle. Because uh, unfortunately, like, we got a little bit too much, I felt, in, in the beginning. So I'm going to be on one or two pages of just him putting up a struggle because this mission does not seem that bad because we end off with them going off to battle. We don't, we don't actually get a action scene too, which is a bit of a disappointment because this all is beautiful. I'm pretty sure it won't look amazing versus the fire trolls versus the ice animals, but we don't. Like we ended there. You know, Boss King is like, where are they? And that's it. I'm sure that we'll get. I'm sure that we'll get those coming up soon. Um, well, because each book, did, the only thing. Who did you? Who did you? Go ahead. Because each book that we've had, we haven't got anything in the past stories into that next one. Each. That's true. Because even throughout when we talk about Dress League and Teen Titans, nothing that we talk about in this one. Um, I forgot the other ones I should call it. Um. What was the last one that we did? Which one? Superman or The Flash. None of that stuff was a, was ever brought up uh, again. So, like, for a standalone issue, it throws it all these Alice Winters. They all have their own story, and then nothing involving the other stories. I, I love the R. However, a 6.5 out of 10. All right, Reed, where were you at with it? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I I do agree that the art is uh, really something that's really the standout uh, in this book. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of, you know, actual action takes place. There's some chats in the beginning. Um, it's a lot of cool setups. I mean, we get to see some whales smashing some isomals. Um, but other than that, it's just kind of a uh, like an adventure piece. This kind of 
nothing over much happens except it just seems like they're getting ready for the next thing to happen um the fire trolls look cool uh like i said all the visuals are are great but there's not much else to go along with it um so i'm gonna give this one uh, basically on strengths of visual visuals alone i'm gonna give this one a, a 7.25 All right. It did have some pretty strong visuals. I can't help but agree with you guys there. I look forward to the art going forward because it seems to have definitely gotten better. Um, To me, this is like a meanwhile episode. While exactly the rest it. of the... Yeah, while the rest of the team is going out and doing the rest of it, uh, we haven't seen Aquaman. and This is what Aquaman has been doing. He's going to go get some fire trolls as backup. Um, that's cool. Uh, at the very end of it here, when he says, where, where are they? Did you guys happen to read these in order? Did yeah. you read Aquaman, Justice League, yeah. and then Teen Titans? I yeah. blew it. I, I did them back. I oh. did them backwards. I couldn't find it. Uh, I spoiled myself on that, on a poor, poor old swamp thing. Well, uh, yeah. In a, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. But um, so did so you knew who he was asking about when he said where are they? Yeah, I I, I went back. Yeah, I and I, I went back. Okay. And I, I kind of just assumed because he seems pretty upset, uh, obsessed because he, even when he was first summoned, he thought everybody looked like that. So he had that weird vision. So I think he was obsessed with those people. Definitely, definitely. Um, I yeah, uh, when when I was like, where are they? I assumed that he was talking about the people in the ice but i it had yet to click to me who it was i i, um, I had thought about that as well but because he was looking at heroes that's kind of what made me think that he was maybe looking for vengeance well yeah but very possibly um uh, anthony had brought that up i believe it was anthony or uh, once one of you four, eight, four. uh yeah, how it might have been Viking Prince yeah. and Swamp Thing or something that was stuck in the ice. So I was thinking, holy crap, there we go. He was right. So, um, But uh, we'll find out more about that here shortly when we get into Justice League 58. That uh, Aquaman was Endless Winter Part 4, and this is Endless Winter Part 5. Priced at three ninety nine, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, with art by Zermanico and Alex Sinclair on the main story, main story, and Marco Santucci and Arif Prianto in the flashback, with letters by Tom Napolitano in the main story, and the Larger World Studios Troy Petiri in the flashback. Francis Manipool gave us that cover, and in Chapter Five of Endless Winter, like the other issues of this arc, it begins with a flashback to the tenth century Greenland. For the continuing origin story of the Frost King, he's already killed Swamp Thing in the previous issue and is pushing forth with his onslaught. Hippolyta and the Viking King are attempting to rescue as many refugees as possible while Black Adam is supposed to be keeping the Frost King busy. As it turns out, Black Adam decided to find the Frost King's family and put him in his path so that it could provide them with a distraction. Hippolyta and the Viking King rush to try and save the family, but they get there just a bit too late. The Frost King is already upon them. His wife and children call out to try and get through to him, and it seems to be working. 
That's when Black Adam comes out of nowhere and smashes flying into the Frost King with all of his lightning Shazam powers. Meanwhile, in the present time, Green Lantern John Stewart is keeping himself a little bit more than busy rescuing people stuck out in the cold. He takes a bunch of people to Star Labs before heading to the Hall of Justice where he meets with Bobo, the detective chimp, somebody who's getting more and more popular. I am seeing in more and more, more and more titles, and I can't, can't help but love that. Love me some detective chimp. Popping up everywhere. Indeed, and uh, Bobo is monitoring things from the control center. There, he's noticed that specifically, scientific research centers seem to be targeted by the ice monsters, but he doesn't know why. He also mentions that Black Adam is probably going to be a problem. That's when some perimeter alarms go off and Jon Stewart flies out. The Hall of Justice is surrounded by hordes of giant isomals and the Frost King himself. Not one to back down from any kind of fight, Green Lantern Jon Stewart whips up a few constructs to deal with the Frost King's constructs while he takes the battle to the Big Bad himself. Just as he's knocked aside, the Justice League shows up. Batman declares that they stand together and, if necessary, fall together. The rest of the Justice League attacks the Constructs while Green Lantern goes back after the Frost King. With a giant green axe, Green Lantern cleaves the Frost King in half. It wasn't really him. Just another really detailed isomal. As the Justice League sits down around the table in the Hall of Justice trying to figure out how to combat this global threat, we flash to the heart of the ice storm where the true Frost King sits. His isomals indeed are targeting specific research centers looking for one thing, or is it three? Three people frozen in ice in the last issue are his family, and he's finally found them in the Stag Research Center in Gotham. Though the ink was a bit heavy um, pretty much throughout this entire issue, I feel as though the main story art has really improved. The flashback art, as always, looks stellar. I am still very intrigued by the flashback um, of this story and I really like the way that it's being written I'm happy to say that this issue of Endless Winter, Winter gets a much higher score than the last issue I reviewed. It flows better the dialogue is much less generic and the plot seems to be progressing at a rather good speed now I really hope that the ending of this arc works because I'm, I'm in it now. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 just because I don't want to get too excited about it yet we got one more to go before we finish out this three-part um, uh, that we're covering. Three parts of of endless winter that we're covering. Um, now I give this one <laughs> seven out of ten. Where were you at with it, Reed? Uh, I was. I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, this is certainly my favorite rendering of the Frost King to date. Um, I thought the beginning part was really cool. Uh, I like the setup. <laughs> the way that Black Adam kind of uh, kamikaze in there and just like blasted him, I thought was pretty fun. Um, that always distracted. Geez. Get him now. <laughs> that was so funny. But they're like, okay, wait. I think it's working. We can approach him. And, and he just goes, nope. Leroy Jenkins, Leroy just blasts in there and sets everything <laughs> off. I thought that was a lot of fun. Leroy Jenkins. 
Yeah. Um. I kind of thought I was kind of bored of the Green Lantern stuff at like, um, at the beginning and up until they that very cool Frost King shows up. Um, that's when the art really kind of picked up for me. And I kind of got I started getting excited. You get to see Arctic Batman, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, not, again, not much is going on here other than we get the information that he not like now he knows where where he's going, and we uh, will see in a little bit why exactly he's looking so hard uh, for that. Um, but this was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm giving this one a seven point five out of ten. You know, um, you're not alone there. I find John Stewart to be boring, too. I don't know what it is about him. Just generally, as one of the Green Lanterns, I'm just... I don't like all of them like most people do. Gimme Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz is okay. The rest of them, eh, I can take them or leave them. Not Guy? No. I can't stand Guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's just this kind of part. He didn't have much to do. Like, you, you've got Green... The thing is, is you've got Green Lantern, and he's just kind of tracking down one guy. Now, not to say that that's not, like, a noble or heroic thing, but he's just flying to... The thing you needed Green Lantern for was to fly at a building and find a guy. I, I don't know. It was kind of boring, but they they wanted me back with the giant snowman that are plowing the that ice was pretty cool. all the way. So. Anthony, where did you have split, this one? Simple. I'm right there with you with um, Reed. I get 7.5 out of 10. I do find John Stewart um, born just well. Um, there's only like a four that I do enjoy. Kyle, Jessica, Guy. And Simon. Um, feel like oh, Hal is a bit overrated, my other opinion. But again, like I do like how finally we're picking up the story. It felt so great. The past few issues of this endless one took, we haven't really got picking up the story. We got a little bit of a flashback, but that's all. Now we get a little bit more. It's great. Um, my only thing I did not really like that much about this issue was just the art. Other than that, I enjoyed it. We get a great action scene, progress the story. Um, we see the team, like, as we said, like, Batman in the Arctic suit, amazing. Definitely, this is so far one of my favorite issues from the Endless Winter um, event. Choice. 7.5 out of 10. Alright, 7.5 out of 10. And we are going to be right back after this brief break. Come back and stick around for the wrap-up of this, of the uh, Endless Winter that they released this week. Only a few more to go, guys. Next up, Teen Titans Endless Winter Part 6. We'll be right back. And we are back. We're going to go right back into it with Teen Titans Endless Winter Special 1, priced at $3.99, written by Ron Mars and Andy Lanning, with art by Marco Santucci, Jesus Moreno, Cam Smith, and Hi-Fi, with letters and rot by Rob Lee, covered by Bernard Chang and Marcelo Mialo. Uh, so we start off, Back in Endless Winter 01 times, uh, EW1, the, the the big one, uh, we with the 10th Century Justice League, and um, we see the continued battle with the Frost King. 
uh, Black Adam is engaged with the Frost King and urging Hippolyta to help him to finish the task. Uh, and the family that Black Adam has endangered are there and surrounded by some very malicious-looking isomals. Uh, the Frost King has kind of lost his mind and doesn't uh, know what's what anymore. Uh, and instead of helping the family, much to Hippolyta's shame, she runs to help Adam finish the thing once and for all. And once she does, the glacier gives way, and the Frost King's remaining family fall through the cracks, swallowed whole. And now we know, um, at this point, uh, they're probably those three figures that are trapped in that strange ice. Um, the Ice King uh, sees them fall and lashes out in a huge burst, uh, ending this portion and apparently encapsulating his family. Um, that's part still a mystery, but what we do know is back in the present day, we see the tower, Titan's Tower, uh, and the the teens therein have been forced into a d more domestic roles than they are uh, normally accustomed to, as they are helping out with uh, some refugees who have taken shelter inside the tower during the storm. Uh, they are kind of complaining and moping and about you know having to wash some dishes and play with some kids, and Donna Troy and Beast Boy chastise them for begrudging this kind of way to help people, in spite, uh, especially in light of their recent actions uh, following along with Damien. Um, but things don't stay very simple for long, as Roundhouse gets a alert that there's a bunch of uh, people trapped on a nearby bridge under, con uh, under attack by uh, isomoles and isogolems. Um, so they ride out uh, to the rescue. And hey, uh, just real quick, they, it seems like they... I, I'm not extremely familiar with all of um, these new kind of Titan guys. How did they, did they do a teleport? And who, um, whose ability was that? Well, at first it seemed as if it looks like they're doing some kind of a teleportation, but there's nobody it, on the team that has the ability to do that. I think that that is, if you look at the way that it's kind of drawn, it's kind of drawn like the old-fashioned Titans cover used to be. And I think mm -hmm. this is more like an homage panel than a, like a teleportation deal. Yeah. Uh, a stylistic thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was like an effect power because uh, I, I wasn't sure of like – because, I mean, I know, you know, Donna Tori and Beast Boy can't teleport people. I didn't know if that was maybe like a roundhouse thing or what have you. Um, but, you know, okay. So, oh, I see. It's just kind of like a round circle there. All right. Well, anyhow, and it's – oh, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. Hmm. So they're in the Heights. Very cool. Uh, so they get on the Brooklyn Bridge, and they're fighting these beast monsters, and uh, they can see that all of the isomals are kind of targeting one specific area, and they see a spiky ice ball, uh, and inside is a young girl named Summer, uh, who the ice creatures are coming after. And then we get to see a pretty cool fight with a giant ice creature, uh, and Crush throws a... Um, a truck full of LexCorp oil, and then uh, with her last thermite arrow, red arrow, lights the giant monster on fire, disintegrating him. I, I really like the the moment where Crush picks it up and and says to make sure to say abandoned before she throws right. it. So it's not property damage; it's abandoned. So don't worry about the LexCorp truck. <laughs> um. 
So uh, they go home and find out that this girl, Summer, uh, has recently discovered ice manipulation powers, um, which is pretty neat. And I, it seems like maybe she's joining the team. I don't know if this is an endless winner. This might be an endless winner power kind of thing only, but it kind of seems like I she's see joining just the stayed. team to kind of fill out the ranks a bit. Because um, they said that up, he tends to walk at... a school, and they oh, did okay. mention, oh, are you starting out with school? Is she going to be one of your new students? I think this is slowly foreshadowing um, the future. Also, notice that throughout the entire story, she's not referred to with a code name, but on the very cover, it says, Stand Back Titans, Black Ice Kills. So I think you guys are onto something there. And Wait, I would not that's... be surprised. That's, that can't look and look go back. <gasps> yeah, go oh, back yeah, to the cover, yeah, and that looks her like name, her face. It? Very well, could be her face in the reflection of that hand that's being held out that says "Black Ice Kills." But now, do you think this could be a just a bad hand? Because covers do um do that. I. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of what I thought, but I I, I think don't know. I don't know. It seems kind of scary. That would be great. <laughs> I just don't think, think DC would do that because right now, <laughs> from what we've been getting, I don't think that they're. I don't think that that they are that smart. Well, I think it would be. I I think that mm-hmm. like, she's for sure on uh, on the, and it does kind of look like her. You're right, but it does also kind of look like a weird claw. So hey, I think maybe we'll see kind of some interaction, perhaps with the winter or with the frost king. Maybe there's some sort of connection there that they can draw on. Um, but eventually a uh, the boom tomb comes in. Uh, we're bringing in some some members. We got cyborg, flash. Uh, and Starfire drop in to say that Flash needs to meet with Hippolyta, and she's hoping that Donna Troy can help um, kind of grease the, the diplomatic wheels and kind of get them a meeting. So uh, Cyborg booms them away, and they arrive uh, just as the Ice Amuls are attacking Themyscira, uh, and that's kind of the end. Um... I, I had a little bit more fun with this one than I anticipated. I didn't expect... I thought this was going to be more of a tie-in. I didn't expect a new character to kind of pop up right in the middle. Um, so that that was kind of neat to see. Um, the art the art was kind of fun. I feel like the endless winterness of it all kind of really hamstrung the battle on the bridge. Because um, that, was, that was like a lot of fun. But having everything in the background have to be white and blue streaks when you're fighting white and blue monsters really kind of detracted and kind of like washed that part out other than that i thought the art was really great i really liked um donna's uh donna troy's new outfit her kind of like winter jacket look i thought that was pretty cool um overall i I had an okay time it was kind of okay i i it was more than i expected but overall i think i'm going to come up a little bit from what I rated it on the site just now talking about it and looking through it again. Um, I gave it a 6.5 on the site, but I think now on a second look through, I'm going to bump that up to 
I, I like a school. I like a, a bunch of uh, youths learning to use their powers, like Avengers Academy. Yeah, this kind of this kind of scrappy bunch of uh, uh, new guys is is something that really excites me. And I like to see Donna and Beach Boy getting a larger role as kind of like he, kind of heading these guys up. Um, I'm I am to looking forward to seeing where it goes too. Uh, it's really. It's really got me interested now. Um, the first couple of issues of Endless Winter had me wondering whether or not I was throwing money into a fire, but now I am. Now I'm I'm really into it. Um, I have enjoyed every issue a little bit more for different reasons, um, but regardless, every issue is I've I've enjoyed a little bit more this week as I read through them, and. Um, I got to acknowledge that. The one thing that I didn't really like here was the way that Kid Flash was written. He um same. He he was just he was written as a jerk. Pretty Go pretty hardcore. Um I liked the uh, I did like Donna Troy's new look and um and I who I who I am I'll be very surprised if 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 a black girl named Summer with ice powers is not does not turn out to be a new member named Black Ice. I would be very, very surprised at that at this point, um, especially going forward. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to see what happens going next. The next Endless Winter issue picks up in Justice League Dark 29, so I'm super happy about that. I'm giving this one a 7.5, man. Anthony, where were you? No. Uh, the Justice League one, I just said that was my favorite one of the saga. <clears throat> However, I did love this um, issue just as much. I just like how that issue is progressed the overall story. We didn't quite get this one in this issue. However, we got some just as good. We got yeah, it's like another story. meanwhile story. Yeah, it was a good one too. Like we got action. It was beautifully drawn. We get a new character. I agree with you that I hate how. Kipash was written. He sound it was very uncharacteristic about him. It was a bit ah for him to like. Oh, I don't, I don't help these people. No, what? Like, it just felt oh. It yeah. doesn't feel like something that he would say. That didn't feel like Wallace West. No, hmm. I do enjoy how before Ava how they are bonding because they both do have a history of their social media. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Um. I do like how this is also foreshadowing the future state. That's nice. It's saying some stuff in the future. So I got I got to give this a seven point five out of ten. I do love how um, Donna and Beast Boy are basically like leading the charge. It felt feels right back in the two thousand three run with Jeff Johns. Beast Boy was a little bit of the leader on that team, and Donna for a while she does feel like she needs to be the leader of a team like she is she's she's worthy she deserves it she's so, gonna be yeah like that we've like, got, I can't wait we've for, got the teen the titans academy book that's supposed to be coming out after future state right no no is, is that after or is that done i believe I it's that, both i i i thought i had saw that it was both and that would be really cool to read an ongoing okay. school story like that. Heck yeah, man. Sign me up. Especially if you bring in the Teen Titan characters. 
as like the primary students, man. You've got characters like Nightwing and Donna Troy and and hopefully Wally West coming down and and teaching the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's that's epic, man. I love that. I uh, mean, you could have the Titans, the team fans, all that book. You got like the being the mentor. It'd be a lot of fun. I really cannot wait to yeah, check out it, that book. It's a lot of characters. Just keep Bendis away from it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that DC needs to do again, because, um, what is it, Gotham, hi, Gotham, um, book came out a few years ago. Gotham Um, Academy? Maybe it was that book, like, I did enjoy that one, it felt so great, it's just, like, three of, like, a place where, like, a comic book city that I know, them in school. It's always fun to see how, like, that's why people love Hogwarts at times. Like, you know what? Let's take a place from, like, get rid of this rule. Let's go back into that world and explore that a bit more. That's what I predict that will be as well, which I cannot wait for that. Nope, me either. So what did you give this one? 7.5 out of 10. 7.5, same as me. All right. All right. It's, it's, it's... Hey, do you guys think after we see uh, we see a bunch of um, these kind of like young students come up, they do? I, I would. How would you guys feel about if they did like a uh, eventually kind of a calling like Marvel Marvel did in that one uh, story arc there with uh, oh, arcade um... their, their version <laughs> of the battle royale? Dude, I don't know if if it was yeah, that be messed up. It would have to be black label and definitely. <laughs> battle royale. I don't know, man. It would be a fun read. They're already all on that island. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I play Injustice. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of Injustice, which was a very successful alternate universe story, we are going to go over to the Death Metal universe and start that one. Dark Knight's Death Metal number six, priced at four ninety nine. Written by Scott Snyder with the art and cover done by Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, and FCO Placencia with letters by Tom Napolitano. In an anti-crisis part six, Death Metal begins its final song as Sergeant Rock bookends the story with his narrative about fires on the battlefield and how they can take all kinds of shapes. But they all have one thing in common, and that's that God never answers. There are quite a lot of people who show up for this story, but the main characters are essentially the Darkest Knight, Perpetua, and Wonder Woman. On the battlefield, we see the entirety of the DC Universe's remaining army, complete with Jaro and Harley wearing Jonah Hex's hat, ready to go into battle with all of the creations that have been spawned from the planets created by the Darkest Knight so far. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman and her partner Lobo of whom there's just one now, but the last time we saw them, there were thousands, are making their way to the Forge of Worlds, where they're attacked by the fears of the Darkest Night manifesting. During during the scuffle, Lobo boots Wonder Woman away. Unfortunately, she simultaneously lost her grip on the journal that had Lexus designed for a machine that would restore everyone's memories theoretically uniting them all, producing enough anti-crisis energy to fuel Wonder Woman in her final battle with the one who laughs. 
On the battlefield, the heroes from our multiverse are winning. They are noticeably making headway and the Dark Army is thinning out. In the cosmos, however, the battle isn't going the same way. Perpetual warns that she's the only thing that keeps the mysterious mysterious hands away. And if she dies, they will come to destroy it all. And that's something that the Darkest Knight thinks is pretty cool. Uh, he gets the upper hand on Perpetua and then encases her in fragments of the source wall that previously entombed her. The Darkest Knight then joins his, min his minions on the battlefield as he finishes creating the rest of his twisted worlds and brings with him all the best evil versions of our heroes. The good guys immediately know that things aren't as good as they previously thought. In the World Forge, Wonder Woman is facing a similar issue. She was supposed to create a machine to restore the multiverse, but she lost the directions and indeed never even looked at them. Whoops. <laughs> after, ta after talking herself through the situation, though, Diana realizes that truth is what connects us because it is love. And it, that is what binds us all together. That's when we see her lower her golden lariat into the forge's fires. As the soldiers for our side of the fight say their goodbyes and unite in solidarity, a thread begins to form between them. Superman as much says so, but we should assume that, we should be able to assume anyway, that everyone now remembers everything ever. That's when we come back to Sergeant... Rock's narration about God never answering the battlefield prayers, because this time one does. A golden Diana erupts from the ground in a spray of fire and lightning ready for the final showdown between herself and he who laughs. Though my interest in the story quality of the death metal arc has dipped recently, this issue picked it back up, and I mean like way back up. The dialogue between some of the background characters was a little weak, but it really didn't detract from the story because there wasn't much there. The art, as usual, is gorgeous in every single panel on every single page, and the last splash page of Golden Goddess World Forge Wonder Woman is absolutely beautiful. I gave this issue an 8, 8.5 out of 10. And, uh... I mean, I, I, I really think this one turned it around for everybody. Uh, Anthony, what what did you think about this one? It could be from all the hype we I began from future state, post future state. From, maybe it could be from my, the lack of interest I began from all the times, but I'm definitely really not feeling the death metal as I was in the past. And unfortunately, the art is good. But I'm just really not interested in this battle anymore. Um, I don't know if that's DC's fault or just saying, hey, you know what? All this stuff is going to be happening after this and all. So I'm like, at what point? Why Why would I, the reader, care about this battle? That kind of means nothing, I say. No, it's um, and unfortunately for me, I just, I hate Batman who laughs. And just to see him in this action scene with Perpetua, it just was like a turn-off for me. I got to give this a... The art was good, so I'm not going too bad. I'm just a 6 out of 10. It just... This was definitely one that I waited the last minute to read because I just didn't want to go anymore. I did like how Star, he's in it. He's my favorite part. 
However, who's one character, Josh, I told you last week, we have not seen in any of the death metal books? Damien. We still don't see him. Later on, in I, a- it could be that he's just not going to show up. I mean, maybe it's just a choice Scott Snyder made. Each of the panels, we do see a little bit of that family. We see the Superman family. We see the, the Green Lantern Club. Hey, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I need you to pick your brain here. Okay. And if Anthony or Reed can't do this for me, please somebody else reach out and, and, and help me out on this one. I'm stumped because it's a Batman one. But this would make sense as to why Damien is not making an appearance in Death Metal is if when Scott Snyder was still writing the Batman book, Damien had died, so he was dead in Scott Snyder's universe. Now, Scott Snyder does like to stick with the universe he has, the universe he knows. So if if the last time that he wrote Batman, Damien was dead, then that would explain why he's not showing up here. I didn't read it, but I'm going to have to go back. No, 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 because... Don't forget, he also wrote um, Metal, and he was in issue one of Metal, um, driving around. Oh, he was? Yeah. Hmm. Curious. But are those tied into these, though? No, the Tales... Well... As we as we see in the last page of Tales from the Dark Multiverse Crisis on Infinite Earths, all of those stories happened before Dark Knights ever happened, which was the story arc that preceded this one. So those didn't, one didn't happen. You know, the 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 War of the Gods didn't happen after this. Yeah. No, yeah, I get, I, I I get that. Not like they didn't happen at different times. Is it, you know they're referencing the same event. I'm just saying that DC put that out last week. So, or or the mm. what was that last week or the week before? So it kind of alluded to there was going to be a big showdown. Um, that all aside, mm-hmm. that all aside, some of them um, not so much. I think it was fun. Uh, it <laughs> looks cool. I'm sad to see. Death metal, uh, Diana go away because I like the blue, the blue hair and this and the thing. I keep mentioning it, but that's like my favorite part about death metal is a lot of the costumes are more fun than I anticipated. Um, dead Batman is cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I I like long hair Superman. I think it's very stupid, but I like it. Um, I but other than that, I think this was you know. The, when, when these things start wrapping up, they don't really need to make sense for me. Uh, they just need to kind of keep me interested as we go through. Um, so this one, this one went pretty high for me, higher than some other ones. This one's coming in at a, at a seven point seven five for me. Uh, they're all kind of toe in a line. A quick question though, um, what the? I forget what it is. What is that? What's that like lightning chainsaw that she has, and then also brought through with her? Is that, is that, is that a thing? The the death metal chainsaw that is what he used to um, kill the original Darkest Knight. Um, oh, okay. In in the it's first death metal, she okay. cut through him. She used parts of the invisible jet. Oh, 
All right. Okay. So that's. I, I just wanted to to verify that that was that was because that was a thing. Yeah. That and not like a uh, that just, no not it didn't <laughs> exist. Cube. Yeah, it didn't exist Ultimate before Nautilus. death metal. <laughs> okay. All right. That makes sense then. Why it was featured so prominently? Because like, was like that's right. a chainsaw. <laughs> is there a, is there a piece of DC lore that they chainsaw? The chainsaw of truth. <laughs> Obviously, obviously, I mean that one. There's that one. Everyone knows that one, of course. <laughs> that's this one. This is that's what I'm calling it, the chainsaw of truth. <laughs> All right, okay. So I think that takes care of death metal for us, and we can go ahead and move on to the next one we're gonna look at. Catwoman 28, priced at 3.99, written by Ram V with art by Fernando Blanco and FCO Placencia with letters by Tom Napolitano. And the cover done by Joel Jones and Laura Allred. Anthony, give it to us here. Now, we begin our adventure with a game called The Condemned Mom. Now, I don't know if that's like a nod to the Tom King and his story arc on Batman. Or are they from uh, they, I mean, they, they've previous, um, it's a bit previously con- existed, I believe, even before Tom King. They have, all right. Are they from uh, the yeah, I'm going to assume so, yes. Alright, so the whole point of that story arc, unfortunately there's going to go, I mean, back to Tom King, but the whole point of that story arc was that nobody can enter or nobody can leave Kandim. Last I checked, this issue does not take place in Kandim. So, uh, but these are the guys that are in charge. Right. They can do whatever they want. No, I thought it was a government, the government, and the because the Just League was trying to stop Bruce from going into because they said if you go in, right? But these you can't these come guys out. are criminals. They're they have not exactly a, going a by, you know, legal means. You know what I mean? They've got their I methods. Trust me, they're the mafia, man. They can do whatever they want. Be- because for how tainted that story arc was in Tom King. Just uh, yeah, but you can't way. let Tom like, King pepper like... your steak for you. You know what I mean? And, um, and you know, like... Pepper your steak! Oh, you like that one, didn't you? <gasps> oh, I'm going to write that down. And Hold Strange on. Adventures is, is, is doing pretty good. So um, I'm going to have to... I would one, maybe two issues. I like one of them. This was like eight of them. Seven. But, um... Yeah, no, you still, dude, still you still aren't going to, I mean, his Batman sucks, big butt, but anyway, um, we can't let that affect the rest of the Bat family and not the rest of the Bat books. His time has come and gone, and he's on to different things, and so are we, including Catwoman. Actually, it's all in the same universe, but that being said, at this point, oh, wait, um, now we do... We do actually get um the name of one of the um Runaways kids, um shoes. I like how we do that. Have how we start like actually have them names down, making them a legit character. Now they find out just as we find out that this gang is here to take out the cat. At this point, I know crap is about to hit the fan. Just having this kid, just having th- this this kind of other gang on, not just having the kid gang on her side. Makes it a little more interesting to see how the night going to progress. Because that's one thing I do enjoy about not only this issue or the past couple of issues, 
interesting how Selena works with the kids and how we get this little bit of heist or and or adventure with them. Because this may be called a Catwoman book, but in my eyes, this is more like a teen book that I cannot wait to explore more about this team. No, the JCPD are not so good cops that we found out last issue. They're playing back cop and back cop with one of the other <laughs> Alex Street kids, which I wish... That's a good one, too. Back cop and back cop. <laughs> which I wish that they gave this kid a name. Uh, maybe they didn't maybe I missed it, but I went through it a couple times. So like, oh, I just give me a last name, middle name, we or got give him a nickname. We got shoes and skids so far, right? Which uh, one was Skid? Skid? The one with the dreadlocks? The cornrows, excuse me? Oh, then was he the one? Or is that Shoes? So then he was the one in. Um, Shoes okay. is the one with yeah, blue hair. Yeah, then the other one is Skid. Or Skidmark. Oh, did they... I think, I, I want to say it's actually Skidmark, because I Man. think I remember making a joke about it before. Some poopy joke. Okay, sweet. So they gave him the name. Alright, that, that's cool. Yeah, so we see Skidmark, um, he's being interrogated by the cops, and Hallie just comes in, and he acts like he owns this place. Um, the dialogue is a bit strange, but what's even stranger is the captain walks by as the bad cops are talking to Hallie, saying, well, the bad cops are saying, hey, miss, you gotta relax, you gotta know your place here. And when you know, the captain walks by, oh, by the way, he actually is part of the, um, force now. That is a bit forced, only because if you saw from the panel to panel, like the captain was no was like not even in the same up was not even by them. Next, you know, he's drawn. Oh, he's with the force now. He's with this force. Oh, oh, okay. Permanently on loan for absolutely no reason at all. Thank you very much. Yeah, it it just felt a little bit. Again, like yeah. I love this issue. It was great. This is a, probably one, maybe you know what one of the Gotham needs. Um, Gotham needs nippers. good cops. It's got like maybe four. You know, <laughs> that that's on all shit. Is it a, a well, good cop though? I mean, Cat Catwoman. Catwoman's a it, good guy ish. You know. <laughs> for Gotham, good enough for Gotham. Sure. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You got to look at it through yeah, Gotham true. lenses, man. Yeah. And Gotham standards. Smog colored lenses. <laughs> no. Now, it feels like it feels like the first run at the book divider try to make the story too big here. But here it seems as if like the story that we're getting is right in Slane's playing field. Where this is just like a just either we get heist, thieves. Or just small little missions. Before we got like full on government crap that we're going to be dealing with. I like what we're dealing with this in this issue. It feels a little bit like down to her playing field, or like something that like it be on to her level, which I enjoy. Now, just like last issue, we see Selena's plan in motion. The same, almost the same type here. Um, the the Kadeem mob breaks into Selena's home. But too bad for them, she's not there. They have a heist of her own. But that does not mean that the place is not well guarded. As our travelers get as our travelers get home alone. 
And just like the last issue, it was cool to see panel by panel of the progression of the scenes. Two scenes, two scenes that we get, we, um, just the scenes that we get of, um, of the bad guys of the Kadima falling through the booby traps, they get electrocuted. I totally got Home Alone vibes from this, you know, in the holiday season. Well done. It didn't have a holiday vibe, but it got me from a holiday movie vibe, just so as good. Now, these kids just got more badass because they probably just beat the living crap out of a gang called the Condemned Mob. With one heck of a plan put behind. No, that's one. Oh, yes. Like, they easily whipped their butts with no problem at all. They were well orchestrated, well organized, and that was one of the two missions for the night. The other mission was Selena. She basically just set Miss um, Wallen's money on fire. And man, not only was that, but Skidmox knew that the backups were following him, so he made it look as if Miss Wallen's was behind it. It was just well orchestrated on both the heist and the Home Alone plan. Well done. I'm very loving what was from Selena. However, the next part of the book, I did not like that at all. It was a bit weird. Um, because we get a confirmation between Father Valley, which felt a bit flat. I don't know if I would call it and then you're, flat. Um, it's. It's almost as though, like, I, I don't, I mean, look, if you're hired to kill somebody, you're going to kill him when you get a chance, you know, I mean, that's just kind of the thing, but this guy does seem a little, let's say, unbalanced, so, um, you know, who knows what his time frame or methodology might be. That's that's for that's for an FBI profiler. He easily could kill her, though. To take the test, you know. <laughs> I mean, last issue, he easily could have killed her, but yet we got more, we got intrigued on like, oh, why did he actually save her? But this issue, they had a one-on-one. They like just how it played out with from, from the art. I mean, not from the art, the dialogue. It. I hope that we at least get the ending because like it was just a bit strange. I'm wondering like. What's his timeline of being in this book? Because he's probably not going to be a character we see for much longer. But that being said, I think I give this a 8.5 out of 10. I enjoy the book. Um, does it have its flaws? Yes. However, the greatness overcomes the flaws. I love the art, uh, most of the dialogue. The two heists were beautifully, not only beautifully seen, but beautifully done how they orchestrated. Reed, what did you think about Catwoman 28? Uh, this one was a lot of fun. I, I do I did like the um, kind of the Home Alone nature. I love a, a scrappy pack of youths. I think that's pretty cool. The bad guys looked really cool. I love the look of this. Um, it's very kind of like... Hmm. It's kind of giving me like, like the style. It's kind of like a Michael Mann 
kind of like look to the to the art that I really enjoy. It's kind of like a it makes me want to say like a dry like a dry look to the art, but it's but it's a crispness. It's a it's a crisp white crisp white wine. This this art. Um, other than that, the story is intriguing. It's got like not a lot of like nice uh, twists and turns. Um, just kind of going over it again here and, th- and thinking about that kind of stuff. I think it raises it my estimation a bit. So I'm going to score this one uh, eight out of ten. Nice. That's pretty high. All right. Um, I I'm really loving the art in this book. Um. I, I love the way that Catwoman looks. I love the way that they're drawing her face. Her outfit's cool as hell. Um, this Father Valley dude, who we still don't know anything about, and I'm still wondering if he's got a connection to Jean-Paul Valley. Uh, it seems as though his role is going to be to kind of linger around in the background and turn up to be the big bad at the worst possible time. Let's face it, Catwoman's setting up to take over the entirety of Alleytown, and she's making a lot of enemies right now. So there's a good chance that things could take a turn for the worse for her. All it takes is one misstep. And then, you know, who knows? I'm not making a call for the whole arc right now, but, I mean, I could easily see it going that way. Um, the thicker lines, the the um, casual outline, it this... Something about this art style makes me believe that this could easily be turned into an animated movie with changing very little. And it would be a really good one. Really good one. Um, so I, I I really enjoyed the heck out of this one too, man. Um, I give this a 7.5. And uh, speaking of unique art, we are going to move over to the next big title we've got taken care of tonight and that is Rorschach number three priced at $3.99 written by Tom King with art by Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart letters by Clayton Cowles with the cover done by Jorge Fornes as well Reed you want to take us through that absolutely so we're starting off Rorschach number three. Uh, following the clues, he discovers that Will Myerson's apartment, our nameless detective, tracks his lead, uh, one Laura Cummings, uh, to her hometown of Hannah, Wyoming. Uh, Cummings and Myerson's are the alleged co-conspirators in the attempted assassination plot that we saw in issue one. Uh, our detective seems to think that there, uh, this case isn't as open and shut as his superiors would like it to be. So for most of the issue, we see the detective sitting alone uh, in a diner in the small uh, Wyoming town reading through the journal of Laura Cummings. She had made this journal and secreted it behind a panel in her childhood home, and the journal details her life as a small child living with her father, a gravekeeper at a local cemetery for the victims of mine accidents. Her father believes that the events that had transpired at the end of Watchmen were part of a larger alien squid invasion. Uh, he's a military veteran. A military veteran. Her father begins a militia to fight off the squids and uh, at the same time teach um, the local men to, fend- to defend themselves and also his daughter. Uh, we, see, we see her training uh, with various weapons and tactics as she grows older and her skills sharpen. Uh, in the end, though, her father's paranoia gets the best of him as 
he decided while reading one of Meyerson's comics with the citizen and the unthinker uh, that the aliens had taken control of him. Uh, he asks his daughter a quite a shocking favor uh, and left me feeling uh, a little bit shaken. It was a very sh shocking moment yeah. for sure. Um, the series continues to impress me in this latest issue. Uh, it really propels the story as about as fast as you can flip the pages. Um, the way the color palette is nice and subdued and their bleak imagery gets you in the exact place tonally where you need to be for the story to have the best impact. Um, the story and art teams are both firing all cylinders in this book as it plows ahead. Uh, the mysteries abound. I'm personally I'm excited to see how they all turn out. Guys, what did you think about this? And how about that scene where he had his daughter? I don't want to spoil it on the site, but for you, dear listeners at home, I will spoil this one. Uh, she shoots her old man in the brains. Yeah. Um, okay, so you didn't touch on this, yeah. but I immediately... and. So uh, I grew up in a uh, rural area of Michigan, and militias aren't uh, aren't strange to me. So um, I, that was the immediate vibe that I got from this guy was that he was maybe a little bit more paranoid, delusional with access to militia, you know. And it um, it for me, this story was incredibly sad reading it start to finish because I'm just sitting there relating with that kid the entire way that she's got to go through all of this. And yeah, he's doing it for the right reasons as far as he's concerned. But, uh, you know, I mean, it leads to him thinking that he can't trust his own mind because the squids what? are controlling his brain. So he has to act, ask yeah. his daughter to... To shoot him in the head, while he's laying while he's yeah, laying he up against uh, her dead mom's tombstone uh, that that he killed because he thought the squids were controlling he her killed, brain. Yes. I mean, yeah. Well, it's even more sad to to consider that the fact that the the giant squid that he's afraid of that attacked New York in this timeline. And now, if you if you only know the Watchmen from the movie, the ending is different. Instead of yeah, um, Ozymandias having like Dr. Manhattan blow up, uh, he teleported in a giant squid that they made in a lab. So it's not even a real alien. And this guy is has gone to such lengths as another victim of Ozymandias. Um, but it's uh, that that whole moment when you find out that he killed his wife and just tells his daughter that nonchalantly as he's showing off all of his guns is extremely brutal yeah. it fits the watchman though i'll say it that. definitely does um again <laughs> uh I'm, I'm gonna have to hand it to this this story it, it really did pull me in um not enough to score me uh quite as high as you gave it but i i'm giving it a seven five um it was really, really sad. Um, the art was pretty good. It was just, um, as it stands right now, in order for you to make this part of the story tie into the rest of it and really pull it off, Tom King, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to do some really, really <laughs> good writing, man. So either by the end of this, I'm gonna be able to go, ha 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 ha, I knew it, or 
I'm gonna have to eat my words with on everything except on everything except Batman. Um, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I gave this an eight point five. I gave this one an eight point five out of ten. Uh, so yeah, I, I rated this rather highly. Oof. I I could tell. Anthony, where you where you where did you fall in? I love this series. Uh, what can I, say? I enjoy the art. Um, I feel as if since the first issue got me intrigued, second issue. Uh, wait, was last issue the issue with the um. With the apartment and the neighbor, yes. Yeah. Um. What is issue two then? This is oh, wait, issue, this is three. issue three. Wait, what issue? Yeah. Oh, this is issue I don't know. I think this. I thought it was issue for some strange reason. Alright. Um. And so I enjoyed issue one. People interest. Issue two. Same thing. This issue. I do like how we are getting some backstory on this new character. But I just can't wait until I would get more on this overall story. It seems like as if we have, in each issue, a little bit of one story, and then overall we get a little bit, like, our overall story is one thing, but then in each issue, we have its own story. But then slowly we get a little bit in each of those stories into an overall story. I want to know more about the whole point of why I'm reading this, um, like, show me something that will keep me interested besides, like, just past Well, events. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's oh, There's a whole is... lot of story building going on here right now and not a lot of storytelling. But if he does it right, this is going to... Yeah, I, man, if he does it right, this is going to be awesome. Boys... This one is going to pay out like a slot machine. I'm ling-a, 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 ling-a. Uh, but don't forget, it's Tom King who's writing. I mean, yeah. So... A slot machine, mm. I tells you. A slot machine! <laughs> Gotta give this a 7 out of 10. I enjoyed uh, a few of the panels. Panels were cool. Uh, I joined her background story. I thought it was awesome. But again, I next issue, if next issue is anything like this, I can't go any more higher than a five point five. If this, if this is anything like next issue, because at least tell like, give me more of the overall story. That's all I want. Well, we had some pretty varying opinions on this one, I think, um, in different areas. But I think one thing that we can all agree on here is that this story was pretty damn sad, especially certain parts of it. Uh, yeah, well, don't get <laughs> the emotional kind of hit of that is uh, is kind of what favored my score. This is really my aesthetic. It's really bleak. It's really kind of um, the, the sadness and kind of it's a huge bummer. So this is right up my alley. Melancholy. Yes, right, exactly. Well, along those same kind of notes there, we're going to go over to the last issue of the week. Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Crisis on Infinite Earths. This one was a bit of a sad one, too. Priced at $5.99, written by Steve mm-hmm. Orlando, with art by Mike Perkins and Andy Troy. Letters by A Larger World Studios' Troy Pateri, with a cover by David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez. This is the story of one possible outcome that sh- 
should the Justice League and Justice Society had swapped places during the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Rather than twist the tale of that crisis, though, we get some twisted ramifications because of this change instead. Surtur, a walking giant living hell, burning with fire, looking like a fat-ass Satan with no horns, is marching across the earth, yeah. devastating all that crosses his path. He thick! <laughs> the All-Star Squadron, the team of heroes that remain after the tragedy of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is no small team, unite to fight against the Flaming Menace. Surtur is no run-of-the-mill giant Betty, though, and he easily makes his way through most of the heroes. Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Silver Scarab, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and the Spectre fall with the slightest bit of effort from Surtur. So many others did as well. Power Girl steps in against Superman's wishes so that he can escape and save the day tomorrow. Meanwhile, Johnny Thunder and Starman are working together to keep everyone hidden while they work out a plan. The team was a numbered a hundred members or more, and now it perhaps has a dozen. They reform as the Justice Society of Earth. An aging Superman and a Sandman that no longer believes in nightmares are joined by a newly christened Hawkwoman and Lita, the daughter of Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor and the rest of the team, to mount a final battle. Surtur goes to cross the ocean in order to continue his conquest, but the heroes spring their trap. The plan starts to work until the heroes announce why it's working. Uh, they say, you know, this is because Flash is running around you, so Surtur kills Flash. Yeah, he rips him right in half. And next, he's got Superman. He's about to squish him. Superman's burning alive at the moment. He's, he's for some reason or another, just as vulnerable to Surtur as everybody else. And that's when Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, yells to stop. He literally makes a deal with the devil as he offers himself as an avatar for Surtur so that he may cross through universes and conquer endless Earths in exchange for leaving this one alone. And so Surtur agrees. He possesses Alan Scott and becomes the Dread Lantern, while the rest of the heroes look on with utter sadness. And that's where the story stops. It was a good enough story for what it was. It was really enjoyable to see all of those characters being used and being drawn so very well. I really liked the art in this issue, and it was probably its best feature. As a tale stories go, it's definitely not a required read, but for those who want to see an outcome never before considered in the pages of comic books, this one lets us have our fun. There's nothing wrong with the story, it's just, it is what it is. It's an alternate one-off. And uh, for that, uh, because I enjoyed it so much and the art was out of this world, I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. Cool, sir. <laughs> After reading this, because I've not yet read um, Infinite Crisis, I was going to read that next week, actually. After reading this issue, I actually might not. Because this really was just a bit boring, per se. It did, I felt as if I was just like, reading through the emotions. Like Bro, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally different story. 
This is this is a story of what would have happened if the two teams would have swapped places during the battle. So I mean, no, it's, like, it's 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 totally it's different. Just the from whole Crisis it was Infinite. so boring though. Like yeah, like yes, we see a giant, we see Sokka, but then once he shows up, it just gets so repetitive. Like oh, here comes a hero. Oh, he gets destroyed. Next one. Oh, hero gets destroyed. Next, that got boring. And then the whole like this is good chunk of dialogue heavy. Well, I mean it was it was a it was a bit dialogue heavy, but I did enjoy watching somebody just walk through all of the heroes. I mean just slicing them in half, biting arms off, I mean burning Hawkwoman alive. You know, I mean th- that kind of stuff you don't see every day, you know, and this was just complete and utter devastation all at once and they all fell. I mean that original All Star Squadron team had had at least a hundred people there, man, and every single one of them died, save for maybe a dozen. You know, I mean he he went through that in like what, fifteen minutes? That's crazy. <laughs> I thought of, I mean it. You know, I'm not trying to look at it. It this is just a one off. It's not a main story arc. It's not you know it's an alternate universe kind of deal. So I'm kind of got to be heightened because of that. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you know, and you gotta you you gotta take it with the fact that it's not necessarily it's not necessarily got to uh, to to make sense, you know. But if if the story is boring for you, regardless, then yeah, don't read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm leaning with Anthony here. I had a lot of fun with this one. I loved <laughs> Searcher and his big flamey diaper baby and his big belly. I was a, a big fan of that. Um, also, his double rows of teeth were very spooky. I'm a fat ass saint. But yeah, it's kind of it's just the, and, and that I mean I'm t- like that's cool. I love that. I love old Superman. I like like alternate reality kind of stuff. But all with all that in, uh, said in his favor, I was still pretty bored. Um, this one was only a six point five out of ten for me. Yeah, I'm gonna ask five as well. I enjoy some some of the action scenes, but just. It was just really big boring at times, which like it dragged on. I felt like because a few times I was like, "Man, how many more pages do I have left to go in this?" Yeah, if it, it it was a long one, it definitely was. Well, all right, guys, that wraps up that book. So you know what is next. It is time to pick the top three books of your week and the favorite panel moment of the week. Anthony, you want to start us off? Books three, I have um, King Titans and Ellis Winter Special. Book number two, I have Jeff League, um, Ellis Winter. Followed by number one book of the week is Catwoman. And my moment of the week is it's a toughie. Um, I'm between um, oh, was it um and. The Teen Titans special, just seeing, just seeing them all work to, to just to see them together as a team, it was great. Like I love that roster, so I, I was so glad to see them together. Plus, Beast Beast Boy is one of my favorite Titans in general. So again, to see him lead the charge, to see Emiko there, yeah, that was it was pretty cool. cool to see their whole little like um nod to the early runs with how they're all together. That. The other tie I have 
is. Now, this may be a huge continuity issue or something, but just the ending to Nightwing, issue 77, with the whole, like, well, most of Batman family by giving that little toast, I was just so happy to see Damien and Nightwing just, you no, know, Damien and Jason just goofing off, having some fun. You can't pick, huh? You got a dead-ass uh, tie? Yeah. He's got a dead-ass tie, Reed. I'm a fat-ass Satan. All right. <laughs> Reed, what was um, what was yeah. your top three and favorite panel moment? Sure. I would love to get to that. Okay, so, hmm. This one, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, tough for me. This is a pretty cut-and-dry one, I think. Uh, at, well, I guess number three is a little tough. I won't say that. Number three is where I'm struggling here. Uh, that one for sure. Hmm. Okay, so I guess I got number three, Catwoman. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go Batman 105. I, I, I like the ending and the art was cool enough that I was pretty on board with that. Number one is definitely Rorschach 3 for me, and my moment is that page and the kind of panels leading up to uh laura shooting her papa right in the kisser rough Yeesh. that was grim i liked it but i couldn't it's make impactful. that impactful yeah it, it really was it really really was it definitely drove home that story so um as far as my stories went i guess for number three i am gonna pick catwoman uh, I am continuing to love to see where the story goes. I'm really into it. I'm digging it. Uh, Batman takes number two because um, Batman. And number one, surprisingly enough, I just I enjoyed Death Metal so much. Uh, you thought I was going somewhere else. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Rorschach. Uh-huh. No, I, I, I'm just laughing because you said because Batman. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But um, I'm going to take Death Metal, man. Um, I really enjoyed that story. I thought it picked a way back up for me, and I had a lot of fun with it. So um, altogether, there were a lot of good moments in this week's. Uh, but my favorite, I w I, when I turned the page, and I've been the biggest fan of Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman since I first saw her with the blue-tipped hair and the way that her face is drawn and her you know her frame and everything. It's, it's my favorite Wonder Woman ever, but... My favorite moment this week is going to be the Golden Goddess World Forge Wonder Woman coming out with all that fire and lightning, dude. That was that was pretty cool. So um, there's the favorite moments. Now it is time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Anthony, what one made your stink list today? Oh, man. Um... Oh, God, I forgot we had a Bendis book. So, I'm going with a Bendis book this week. Um, Superman. Like, I forgot. He, in translation, I forgot all about this category, but Bendis wrote one, so that gets Yes, it. that, that <laughs> was actually <laughs> easy. I look on books, and it's like, oh, wait, Superman. That's easy. It's Bendis. That's a crap book. Um, yeah, so that's obviously going to be a crap book. It's just... The whole Simnock crap is that was the weakest part of knowing this issue of the whole story arc. The book had like uh, the book would have been so much better if it was just only 
Jersey R mixed with the podcast section. Uh, I think my stinker is definitely going to be Crisis on Infinite Earths. Big fiery diaper aside, I was choice. just really bored. That's a bummer. Poop, 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 poop. You're going to take a crap on the big Maybe fiery diaper. Well, <laughs> yes. In it. It'll burn it up. It's like the Wizards at Hogwarts. It just goes away. <laughs> I'm going to go back to that issue that Anthony mentioned and the one that uh, inspired so much distaste in Glenn Clark's mouth that he felt that he needed to write it out in a poem. Um, the It wasn't all of it. It was just everything that was in between the covers. It was... <laughs> I'm just kidding. The art, the art was fantastic. It really, really was. And I mean, I almost... I gave it a four. I almost want to bump it up to a five because... The the Ivan Ivan Reyes should always draw Superman forever, and fortunately, we're going to get that in uh, a Batman Superman title, so that's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I, I the whole thing was just yuck to me, and that's it. Yuck. I'm glad it's done. Yuck. It just. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yuck. I hear you. What about Action Comics? Uh, that that's almost done. I think our last issue is next okay. week. Well, yeah, guys, I go. think... Something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Some. I think that's the show. And as always, everybody, thank you for listening. And remember, you can feel free to reach out and contact us at any time. Please do so. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot to find us on your favorite podcast platform and patreon.com forward slash not a robot podcasts for early and additional content that you can get for as low as a dollar a month. Not a robot podcast.com is our place where that will take you to everywhere you need to go. So what do we say when we're ready to get out of here, guys? Until next time. You get to each other. And don't. Be a robot. Beep, beep, boop, boop. <laughs> I'm a fat ass, please. Don't know what he got.